Hey everyone, this is Jordan Van Trump, and thanks for tuning in to another episode of How I Built This Ag Business. Just wanted to let everyone know this podcast is sponsored by the company I started right out of college called AgSwag. I'm sure like many of the other disruptors on this podcast, I started this company searching for cooler stuff and better service. One of my first tasks when I got out of college was finding some cool hats for my dad's business, as my family and their friends always struggled to source quality swag throughout the years. I started this company only making a few hats and have been fortunate enough to meet some of the top business leaders in the ag industry along the way. I've worked with some of the biggest disruptors currently in the space, such as FBN, Benson Hill, Pivot Bio, Pattern Ag, Holganics, as well as many veterans such as Cargill, Nutrien, Dairy Farmers of America, Kent Corp, CGB, Helena, and the list goes on and on. Throughout this journey of providing swag to various companies in agriculture, I've had the opportunity to learn some of the best business lessons, hacks, marketing strategies, and many other things to take my company to scale and become more successful throughout the years. My intentions of this series is to bring on guests that I've had the opportunity to work with over the years to tell their story and hopefully help you build your business in the future. Hope you enjoy. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of How I Built This Ag Business. Today we have Mitch Evanson on with Maristem Crop Performance. Uh, for everyone who doesn't know, Maristem is one of the fastest growing crop input companies in America right now. To sum everything up, Maristem uh, saves farmers up to 30% compared to traditional market prices with their highly efficient crop input market strategy. So uh, with that, I'd like to welcome Mitch to the show. Thanks, Jordan. Thanks, Kevin. Yeah, you've been here. To preface this, let's kick it off by saying I, Mitch and Rob were in my living room at one of my condos in Kansas City when they first started this with a plan. Mitch uh, laid out the plan. I was really uh, intrigued and interested. And then COVID kind of came about and Mitch and Rob executed the plan anyway and still went forward and just, you know, executed, executed. And I think they've set a great example for my son to see a business uh, start from the ground and and really, really fulfill all the things that they had set out and said they were going to do. I'm involved in so many ag tech startups that it sounds really good on paper and there's a lot of great ideas, but when it comes to execution, uh, a lot of things tend to fall short or or don't quite happen, but I, I definitely tip my hat to, to be able to grow their business and, and really have just been people with their word and followed through on everything they said they were going to do and now made it happen. So I'm excited to do this. I'm excited for your guys' growth and what you've had happen, Mitch, and all the best to you and Rob on this whole thing. So love to hear a little bit more and tell us how I kind of got started. Well, thanks, Kevin. That's uh, very flattering. Uh, appreciate that introduction. As uh, far as getting started, we just overbuilt given the consolidation we've seen at the farm gate. And, you know, we saw about 50% of the acreage now is being custom applied by infrastructure owned by the farmer. Uh, that created a great opportunity to take some links out of the supply chain. Uh, our opinion's always big. If you're big enough to uh, steward the product from a fertility and input standpoint, and you have all the infrastructure to shepherd it, you should have the same opportunity to buy like a retailer. And we focused very heavily in on a, a given customer segment. 
that had the ability to add their own value on farm. And that's the segment we went after. Um, unfortunately, our assumptions were right. That had that was a segment that had been somewhat under, under addressed. Um, there have been multiple companies trying to do it. Um, we went at it a little different way. And like you said, that first time we met, Kevin, I'll never forget it. You said businesses are not one in the back room of a country club. They're they're made where the action happens at the farm gate. And that's yeah, I, yeah, I, I totally agree. And I, I told Jordan, I said, okay, hey Jordan, you've got some good examples here. You've seen, like I said, several, you've seen probably 30 or 40 ag tech startups uh, come across our plate in the last five years that we've been somewhat involved with. I said, now, what do, what do you see any difference on the Mitch and Rob front over here with Marista? Jordan, what do you think? They definitely aren't afraid to work. I know that. They aren't afraid. To yeah, you're cutting out, I think, on your internet, Jordan, or you did a second. But yeah, I, it, it just came down to the fact I said to Jordan, I said, look how much those guys are out there in meeting with people and talking with people and in person meeting with people. And heck, I remember when you guys first started, you didn't have any, you guys were doing delivery. And you were taking it to the farm when they needed it. People needed emergency. Yeah. I mean, just so many egg startups. And we seem, I mean, they, you know, they got a great idea. Don't want to get out there and do the hard things, you know? And I think that a lot of them, and I'm not saying all, but, but some of them. There's a lot of complexity in what happens at the farm gate. And I've always compared it to like a pharmacy. You might be able to drop buy all your medication online, even though you can't. But if I had a keys to a CVS pharmacy, I could walk into it. I wouldn't know what to give myself. It would all be there to be readily available. I wouldn't know how to use it. I wouldn't know how to take it. Um, I might do myself great harm. Crop inputs are no different. Um, they need the same stewardship and expertise as a pharmaceutical product. So the ability to do that via social media and the internet, that knowledge transfer just couldn't happen through an electronic medium. It took boots on the ground, face-to-face, -face, um, a lot of new innovation coming into the market. Well, with new innovation, there's no expertise. Um, so when there's no expertise, it takes a lot of one-on-one -on -one training and educating on new practices. And we felt the best way to do that was sitting at the business table with the farmer. Yeah, makes sense. Makes sense. And you guys have extensive background. Uh, what I mean, in farming, give us a little on you and Rob. Kevin? No, I was just saying, tell the uh, listeners a little bit about your background and maybe a little brief on Rob's. And, you know, you guys are from the ag community and you you, yeah. you have farms and you, you know the lay of the land pretty well. So, yeah. Yeah, we're both Midwestern farm kids. You grew up in Ohio. I grew up in Indiana. Um, we both have deep roots in agriculture. I still farm in Indiana myself, even though I live in Minnesota. I try and keep an operation going in Wabash, Indiana. Um, so we've had strong connected to, to the farm since birth. Both of us have ag degrees, he from Ohio State, me from Purdue. And uh, we started our career off in sales and marketing and have been there for the last 30 plus years. Yeah, 
Yeah. And I think that helps as well. I mean, you know, I, I just think that a few key ingredients, like I said, I, I think having some ag background and experience uh, and knowing the, the culture is highly important. Uh, and, you know, being able to get out there and make a connection with the actual farmers and the farm family and, and be willing to work. I mean, be willing to to put in those hours, those long road hours. How, how much uh, road time did you have in the last couple of years, man? Oh, I wouldn't even try and estimate uh, the amount of road trips that have been done in the last four years. Yeah, I remember talking to you guys. I mean, you guys went right through COVID. I think you both got COVID a couple of times, didn't you? Oh, yeah. Had yeah. it a few times. About- yeah, we never slowed down during COVID. It was actually a bit of a benefit to the business. While everybody else was hunkered down, we were still out there beating asphalt, meeting with farmers that uh, were comfortable to meet with us. Yeah, I remember at that time didn't want to meet with anybody, but those that wanted to meet, we met with them. I remember a couple of times you guys passed through Kansas City and you're like, hey, you want to go get some go to rest? I was like, nah, I'm good, man. I'm I'm good with you two. I know you guys have been out meeting everybody under the sun. So yeah. Uh, that was funny. So yeah, hey. No, I, but you're right. There's there's just no substitution for hard work. No, no, for sure. So what are you guys up to now, employee wise? I know you've been hiring quite a bit. I don't know. We're tickling 50. Wow. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. So, and, and I know tons and tons of acres you guys are on. So that, that's been a tremendous story there. Jordan, what do you have for some questions? Yeah. What, uh, I guess what, what was probably like the hardest part of the business to this point? Was it like getting on your first few acres? Was it like really taking the business to scale? Like you're on acres and then, okay, let's, really take this to scale and get on a lot of acres or what, what was kind of like the the hardest point along this journey so far for you guys operating capital um we started this business uh literally out of my checkbook uh, we never took on any venture capital money we did take on a investment from one other company for 40 percent of the equity in the business but outside of that uh, we have not been flush with operating capital. So, you know, our first recorded sale was in 2019. This year will be close to 100 million. Um, being able to keep money in place to fuel that growth, that's that's where the anxiety has been the greatest. The plan was solid. Um, disrupting that supply chain has been much easier than I thought it would be. Uh, finding the capital to continue to fund the growth, that's been the biggest challenge. We've done it, we're debt free. Uh, we have a line of credit, we have no long-term debt, uh, but we are not flush with cash. Yeah, constantly. If we were a status quo business, and our kager was three to five percent it'd be a different story um, but when your kager is 125 percent growth keeping up with that type of growth takes takes a lot of capital management that's that's been our that's what i try to pull the reins back on jordan a lot of times on this ag swag thing i mean i know you wouldn't <clears throat> think that it would be but you know you get a lot of you know, there's some people putting in, you know, six figure orders. And when you're trying to juggle all that on a 30, 60, 90 day billing yeah. cycle, and some of them are yeah, getting six up. figures is out of your pocket until well, that sale I, is 
paid yeah. for. That's what I tell Jordan. I'm like, man, I don't know. We, you know, we're just getting, you know, and I'm with you. Yeah, that grows great as long as you can manage the, like you said, that financing side of it. It can be a little tricky because especially when you're doing it like you and I are doing it, trying to do it out of our own checkbooks and our own pockets. And it, it's, it's tough. And I know it's a lot of farm families. That's the same way they have to do it. So yeah, makes it, makes it difficult. So, but that's been the toughest one, Jordan, uh, yeah. executing the business. Where did like, where did your guys easy? Yeah. Where did uh, your guys' uh, business model change? I know like at the beginning, you wanted a pretty small team and you've been pretty small to this point. When, when did that change for you? Like, I think at the beginning you're like 15, 20 max is all you wanted employees. You wanted to stay pretty lean, but are you guys just so busy? You got to, to service yeah. everybody. Yeah. The, the market's really driven our headcount growth. Um, we've just been really blessed with a high growth business. And as a result, um, as the journey continued, we found that it's taken more headcount than originally anticipated. Most of our headcount resides locally in the field. Our internal counts still single digits uh, as far as corporate overhead staff. Um, but our sales team, we have about 40 people right now, full-time employed on the boots on the ground in the field servicing farmers. Makes sense. Yeah. And I like that. I like your pharmaceutical analogy on the, uh, you know, on the pharmacy. And I, yeah, I think you have to have a lot more people out there in the field and helping the farmer and educating them and trying to uh, show them what these. Yeah. It's such a complex sale. Um, it's, you're never, you're never just selling a product. You're selling part of a system and you got to understand every part of that system. If you're going to sell a product into it. Um, and to do that and understand that that one-on-one intimacy is just absolutely key. Yeah, I agree. I agree. So, Jordan, what else you got? How many uh, how many dealers are you guys up to now? I think actual dealers were just over four hundred, uh, as far as active sales points in the midwest were over a thousand now well great what's the been the uh you told me you guys have been making some good inroads on the biologicals you just kind of what's the is that the throttle uh i'm missing the name on it what's your uh Hopper throttle. Hopper throttle. That's you what were I was close. Talking. You were just one word off. <laughs> I missed the first word. Hopper throttle. I like the name though for yeah. sure. Yeah, like that's it. uh it's been a tremendous growth engine for us. Um it's interesting. The rest of our business has followed um our biologicals. Really it, it started off as really going out and trimming up the supply chain on post patent innovations. Real simple play. Uh, as we got into the market, we realized there was a lot of stranded innovation uh, in the biological arena. I mean, hundreds of millions of dollars have been spent on an innovation that really is sitting on the shelf that offers tremendous value. Well, back to that pharmaceutical analogy, it's very complicated. And 
what we found was there was a real need for a channel to deliver biological innovation and, and it fit it matched perfectly with our post-patent pat to market with crop input additives uh, so it was a nice bolt-in or extension if you will to our original strategy and we anchored down in these uh, biologicals we went out we sourced what we thought was some of the best innovation that was on the shelf uh, and we built delivery systems to bring it to market our penetration on biological acres this year will exceed 5 million acres. Oh, uh, that awesome. would be a combination of three different products to get there, led by Excavator and Revline Hopper Throttle. Oh, yeah, perfect. Uh, we fully anticipate in 2024 to more than double that acreage. Perfect. So you guys doing any custom applications or you just leave that to your dealers and Oh, no. retailers. You're just supplying. Yeah, we're asset light. Yeah, I was wondering if you did. I didn't know if you had some areas you were doing some or no. And we also um, we work everything else through on a variable basis. Our contract manufacturing, uh, we manufacture, but through other people's facilities. We have state-of-the-art warehouses, but we lease them. Uh, right. So back to that operator capital piece we talked about jordan we had to figure out how to grow the business without having the capital to invest in traditional infrastructure which has treated us quite well yeah you guys is most of the your uh do you have dcs throughout you just have one big major location then you ship all out of that we have two major locations oh, okay we have right. one just outside of omaha on council bluffs and one in Indianapolis, Westfield, Indiana. That's kind of good, yeah. Yeah, so we got an Eastern and a Western. Yeah, that's good for sure. So makes sense. Anything logistically? Throw you any curveballs with uh, what's happening in Russia or with China or any of those things? Is that well, we're kind of through it for the moment. I, I think the worst of those times for the time being are over with. Yeah, supply chain seems to be functioning really well right now. Um, as far as available ingredients go, yeah. Uh, from a logistics standpoint, trucks are starting to open up, but with our model, 60% of what we sell, the, the customer picks up on their own. Okay, we pay customers a freight rate that is highly competitive to national freight rates, probably a little bit better, and that gives farmers an opportunity to put their infrastructure to work and turn it into a profit center. As a result of our lucrative uh, uh, payments for picking up your own product, over half of our product dealers directly oh. at our facilities. Yeah, right from the DCs. Yeah, that's good for sure. And that really helps from a customer satisfaction standpoint. When you're working with LTLs, you have no control over who's in that seat. Uh, when the farmer comes and picks it up themselves the order is always loaded right it's always accurate and everybody's happy i i could see that being it yeah we've seen that with a lot of the uh, you know the people we've invested in it always comes down to board meetings about transportation and you know not getting delivered on time like you just said all the craziness that goes it was our that. biggest risk when we started the company was unreliable deliveries 
Right. I got to thinking one night, the market's that tight for freight. Farmers own a lot of freight. True. It's just turning it into a profit center for farmers to come pick up their own products. Right. And that takes out that <clears throat> unknown factor on who's driving the truck. Very true. Yeah. I like that. I, I like that a lot. So we're certain. Jordan? Yeah. So what, uh, I guess what, what, what do you think is like put you guys kind of on the map compared to a lot of these other companies? I was in, uh, I was at Info Ag last week and uh, some higher ups at Simplot were talking and they had a slide up and it was their competitors. And you had your obvious Nutrien, Mosaic, Wilbur Ellis, and then I saw a Maristem logo. I was like, hmm, that's that's interesting. I've, I've never really seen a, a startup probably in the last 10 years being talked about with these bigger companies like this. What What do you think? What do you think is really putting you guys on the map to where they're noticing you guys as a competitor compared to a lot of these other startups out there? I, I think our channel strategy differentiated us. If you think our competitive through a handful of funnels, uh, you have major distribution where 90% of all your innovations delivered through a group of companies you can count on one hand. That's what controls innovation into the U.S. supply chain today. And everybody works with them. And they represent 20% of your total revenue. You got to do what they tell you to do because you have no other path to market. Maristem doesn't work through that channel. As a result, we get to do whatever we think is best for the farmer. And never do we get leveraged or put into a headlock because innovation is going to take money out of distribution of the channel. We focus on the farmer first. And that is a lot different because when you, when you go out and you operate in a channel that is completely controlled by a handful of players. And then you have one player come in and disrupt that whole play and you can't control them. That's scary. Yeah. It's very scary. <clears throat> yeah. I would call the other day when he was at the conference, he's like, Hey, he's like, they threw a slide up. And that's what he said. Just like that. He's like, they had Maristem's logo on there. And I said, yeah, they must, but no, no other, you know, none of the other names. We don't need to mention them. But well, they, well, uh, they lose uh, their number one, their number one tool, and that's leverage. Yeah, and they can't leverage Maristem with a PO. Every one of our competitors can be leveraged with a PO. Yeah, yeah, makes sense. So, I definitely think you're def. Uh, you guys are shaking a few things up, and definitely have gotten. Uh, some eyes uh, uh definitely eyes on on you so there, there's there's no question there so i like i said i think it's been great mitch watch you guys execute the plan you had to put in place i mean and that's you know what we talk about all the time you can have a great plan but if you can't execute and can't make it happen day in and day out it's uh it's all for not so yeah. to speak so and you know those things about doing it have a rock solid plan 
I mean, you better have a good strategy. You better market test that strategy before you quit your <clears throat> Uh, market test the strategy, make sure it's right, build a iron tie execution plan and make sure you got enough capital. There's the key. No matter how much you think you're going to need, add some onto it. Yeah. And, and that's one risk. And your biggest issue in this is you take two hits. You got your opportunity cost because you're going to have to go through a period of two to three years if you've done it like we done it. And you're not going to make any personal money. So you got to be able to keep the house payment and the car payment and the kids fed happy at the same time being able to cash flow your business. So make sure you got enough capital to do it. And yeah. don't try and do it halfway. I see people all the time say, well, I'm going to keep my real job and I'm going to do this on the side and someday it's going to work. Well, you'll never execute your plan doing that. You're just kidding yourself. If you're going to do it, do it. Mm -hmm. uh, and just have enough capital to execute your plan. I had told Jordan before, uh, the, the bigger money people that I was with in Chicago and others, if someone came to us with a pitch and they presented it has part time. We never invested. We just never invested. And I know that that's, that's tough because we have seen some people, you know, just try to do things on the side, like you said, part time, but it's just very, very, it's insanely difficult because, you know, you're going against people that are doing it full time, you know, and you have to give yourself a legitimate chance. Just like you said, you have to have the money and the capital and you got to go all in, so to speak, big, big, yeah. bold bet. Yeah, you got to roll the dice. There's no way to start a without. You can't de-risk a startup. That's true. That's a great statement. Yeah, you just right. can't. You can't no. de-risk it. And, and if you're looking for a de-risk lifestyle, for God's sakes, don't do a startup. Right. <laughs> get a good corporate job. Get your four weeks of vacation a year. Yeah. Know that check's coming every two weeks. Uh, Stay the path. Hey, Mitch, Jordan's getting ready to get married, you know, in November. And uh, what do you think happens at his house most every week? Because he's trying to get this business off. You know, he's gone. He's going to all these different shows, trade, sh traveling. He comes home just like his his fiance is just, you know, what is going on here? Why do you work? So, you know, she came from a family where this that wasn't the case. And you better get her married real quick, Jordan, <laughs> because that work training you're doing is not going to slow down. Oh, boy. <laughs> So, what are you seeing on the capital front? So, yeah, that's one of our big things that I like some of the other uh, with the ag tech startups. You know, a lot of people didn't have penciled in their playbooks. Of, uh, um, this this is kind of nuts. Uh, what are you seeing? What, what, what's that? We, I've heard some guys have uh, lines of credit, farm lines of credit that are plus eight percent now. Oh, you yeah. know, have bumped. Yeah, yeah. I don't I know how good your ratios are. You're going to pay 7% for operating money a day. Oh, at least. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. I've heard some up 10, 12 on some lines of some startups. I was like, holy smokes. And yeah, it all depends on your balance sheet. Yeah. And they signed the note. And I was like, oh my goodness, this could get nuts in a hurry. So yeah, it's a, uh, the cost of money has definitely changed the game for a lot of people, I think. And, you know, be interesting. Well, the you just got to pray that the market's going to take the price increases. Yeah, that's true. I agree. I agree. That's all you can do on it. So there's no, there's no way of getting around it. 
No, absolutely not. If you can't price in the cost of money, then you probably don't have an executable plan. True, true. I would agree. So, Jordan, what other things we got from? Where did um, where did you guys see the best results on like customer acquisition side of things? Like, where, where were you really picking up a lot of clients? I I noticed you guys don't go to a whole lot of trade shows, or you might now, but you really haven't to this point. Maybe because of COVID, but um. I still don't really see you guys at a whole lot now. Is it more just on farm visits or? Yeah, it really is. I mean, the reason we've seen us there before this year in any presence, we didn't have money to do it. Um, So our revenue generation happens at the farmer's table, you know? So we always. Yeah, if you look at the Midwest corn and soybean market and you look at the size of it and you look at the number of operators that are participating, you can get to an unbelievably high amount of the corn and soybean acreage if you know 4,000 farmers. Uh, Our focus has been to get to know those 4,000 farmers. And I heard a great piece of advice once, and Jordan, we've talked about before, and I remember talking with Mitch and Rob early on, and I said to you, I I remember Jordan saying, like, I really, you know, I think these guys have it, and I think that they're going to make this happen, is a lot of people want to go out and hunt with a shotgun or a big wide net, and they start a business, and that is crazily expensive to to back that. Like, it is crazily expensive to try and start a brand of something shooting with a shotgun. And I remember talking to Mitch and Rob and I felt like they definitely had a rifle approach hunting big game with rifle. They plotted it. They planned the tree. They, they stalked, they knew who they were going after. Yeah. You knew your numbers. You knew exactly what you needed to do. You knew the target uh, market and who you had to get to. And I I think you guys executed that hunting with the rifle uh, like champs and, that's where you just see a lot of companies and we could name names, but we don't need to. They go out and you see they have massive uh, boosts at uh, Commodity Classic or at Farm Progress and their ag tech startups and they're pissing through hundreds of millions of dollars. Uh, you know, a shotgun or a huge net and it, it is massively expensive. And at the end of the day, I'm I'm just not sure, you know, you keep a lot of the fish that end up in your boat. I, I, I just not sure you, you know, and that's where I said, I knew you guys had a targeted approach. I knew you were going to strategically try to hunt with a rifle, which is definitely, uh, in my opinion, for, for getting off the ground and starting. I think it's the whole key. And, you know, think you think that, about it year one, it was just me. And the first year we broke even and I sold 29 customers and didn't pay myself. Yeah. That's year one of a startup. Yeah, you're right. You're absolutely. You don't take any pay. Uh, a victory is somebody will give you more than sixty seconds on the phone. Right. And you just go out there and <laughs> unite. There's the, the startups are built on base hits. True. Very true. They are not built on home runs. Somebody might get one sometime, but we built this one farmer at a time. Our customer concentration is so small. Um, we don't have all our business housed in five companies. You know, we've got 
we got 1500 farm customers and that it distributes pretty well across those. So it, it's a, it's a different model, a, a different way to get to the business. You're never fully exposed to that home run. Again, it comes back to, there's no one player that can leverage their way into running your business. Right. Makes sense for sure. So I think it's a great, like I said, it's a great textbook lesson for anyone looking to do an ag startup, especially in agriculture. I mean, I think you guys have nailed it. Oh. So we'll see. A lot of future left, Kevin. A lot, a lot of future, future left. left. I hear you, but I, I like the way it's starting off. I like that first I, four years been pretty well. Good. It's just because you, you can go back to what my grandpa always told me. I mean, you guys did the hard things. You came to hard decisions and you did the hard things. And you know, most people a lot of people don't do that. They just don't do that. I mean, they look for the, they come to a fork and road and they look to take the little bit of the easier, you know, side and throw money at something. And, and unfortunately that doesn't, uh, that doesn't work so well. It doesn't seem like, so I, I think. You Hard work will trump capital. We, I, I spent a lot of time talking about operating capital, but all the operate, I think there's enough case studies out there right now that all the operating capital in the world don't mean squat if you don't execute. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree with you for sure. So that's did, the thing uh, we were on. Go ahead, Jordan. I was say, did you find it hard to like stick to your plan? And like you said, just keep hitting base hits and base hits and not pivot the business model and swing for the fences. Was that, was that hard for you to do or? No, we were so thin on resources. We never took any big risks. Yeah. I mean, we just, we never went for any big home runs because we didn't have the capital to do it. So we always stuck with just building one farm at a time. And when the business was healthy enough to add a headcount, we did. And we didn't have any pot of money to dwell out of. All the money we put into this business, we had to generate the margins and reinvest them. We never had that big outside kick of cash. As a result, we always remained disciplined and I, I give a lot of that discipline the credit that we didn't have any money. True. We couldn't make stupid mistakes. One stupid mistake and it was over. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's the key. I mean, just one foot in front of the other, inch by inch, grind it out. And, you know, it's not it's not uh, going to be sexy or, or, or fast, but I think in the end, you're going to you're going to see what happens here. So, I mean, I think I think you guys are going to prevail and and. and come out with something really good. So what's the next, uh, what's the next few steps for Maristone? Well, you'll see our, our Hopper Throttle franchise really take on. By 25, anything you offer today as a liquid seed treatment, we'll be able to deliver through a biocapsule. We'll be able to deliver your fungicide, your insecticide, your... Uh, SDS control, your white mold control, your cis nematode control, uh, all your biological options that go in furrow. Anything that currently goes through an in furrow system or a liquid seed treatment, we should be able to, by 25, give the market an option to do everything through the planter box. Hmm. Interesting. So when you buy the planter box, you'll be you'll have the ability to buy your F and I, your fungicide and insecticide, which you buy now in liquid. 
You'll have the opportunity to get your inoculant, which you buy liquid today. So those three things that are running through a soybean treater today, boom, we can put them into the bio capsule and deliver them with our top graphite fluency system. Liquid starters, we'll be able to deliver concentrates that we are delivering concentrates today up shift C that will eliminate that completely eliminates the need for liquid starter fertilizer. Uh, the innovations that will come through the planter box will include cis nematode control, uh, SDS control, white mold control. Uh, so all the all the pests and diseases we're currently trying to address synthetically with liquid, we'll be able to replace through the biocapsule. When you do that, you take immense costs out of the supply chain. Yeah, I was I was going to ask you, what does that mean to the farmer? Bottom line, kind of, they're going to see a lot cheaper. When you look at our easier line hopper throttle today, if you went out and bought all the components individually in it, you're over $50 an acre. I got a little puppy here wanting attention. Yeah. Uh, if you buy Revline Hopper Throttle, it's 14. So what did we just do? We took $36 an acre out of the cost of production for the farmer. It took out all the need for all the hassle of over-treating those soybeans and dealing with the liquid. The fee for over-treating the beans as a result you know, we just went in and delivered $50 of innovation for $14 an acre. Big value to the farmer, not such a great value for the channel. Yeah. If the channel is used to holding 25% gross margins and you just move that selling price from 50 an acre holding 25% to 14 an acre holding 25%, you see, Jordan, why some of the bigger companies don't like what we're doing? Yeah, mm -hmm. no, yeah, I agree. You just you just ripped literally north of 75% of the cost of production out of the farm gate. But when you took that cost of production, when you take that that delta between 50 and 14, what happened to that 36 bucks? The channel didn't get to invoice it. The farmer got it all back in their back pocket. Right. So if you're in the channel and the company comes along and takes out 36 out of $50, do you consider them a threat? Yeah. You no. probably do. Yeah. And are, are farmers liking the application process a lot more on, on these products? Oh, yeah. We got out over 3 million acres through our planter box this year and it was outstanding. Yeah. Uh, we'll triple our volumes of the planter box going to production in 45 days for next spring, and we'll have enough to triple volumes. An another big key component to successful business, Jordan, if you can uh, save someone a little bit of money and make the process a little bit easier. That's generally a win-win on all fronts, right, Mitch? I mean, we've seen that. Yeah, that's really all we did. Yeah, you know. Made it a little simpler and took a lot of cost out. Yeah. For the yeah. same result. Yeah, I agree. So, what are you seeing any things new coming into the industry of the channel with all the talk of AI or any of the craziness on 
that I don't know where that thing is, Kevin. Yeah, I hear you. It's, I don't know. It's a little spooky. Yeah. I don't know what comes of it or how it plays out in the ag uh, any more than we thought before, you know? So I think this will just see. Well, it's just a compilation of data. Yeah. So the more data you have, the more queries you can run with this AI. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I agree. So. We'll see how uh, farm specific it ends up getting. I suspect that's where we're all headed. You know, it'll probably get as specific as the farmer wants it to get specific. Yeah, you're right. You can write a script, I guess, as as much data as you're going to put in is what you'll get back. So, yeah, very true, very true. So, Jordan, I think that's about all I had on my end. So, yeah, heck yeah, Mitch. Anything we missed that we should have talked about or didn't have uh, to talk yeah. about it, huh? If you want to do a startup, be ready to work seven days a week, 16 hours a day, and make sure you got enough operating capital to get you to break even and making money. That that is truly that is truly the answer. Not that's not the one anyone wants to hear, Mitch. Mitch, people don't want to hear that one really. So no. Well, it's <laughs> been our experience. There's probably better ways to do it, but that's how we've done it. And, and honestly, that's it's what we've heard as we've done these podcasts. We tried to do these podcasts as a way to just give back to rural America and, you know, have some of the successful people on and successful families who have started their own out of their own pocket and, and really made it happen. And man, uh, most all of them tell a similar story with their grandfather, or, you know, their dad and how hard they had to work and margins in the beginning and uh, you know, just kept grinding it out and grinding it out with a solid plan and, and trying to help people really, you know, trying to do right by people is I think another key ingredient. And I think you and Rob really bring that to the table. And I, I love that as well. So I know you guys are trying to, to help farm families and, and trying to do a lot of good for uh, rural America. So I'm, I'm glad to be associated and, and, you know, be a part of what you guys got going. So I think that's awesome. Oh, we'll be there in January. Heck yeah. Oh, yeah. You got your big event up in uh, Wisconsin coming up in the yeah, first, first week of August. August. Yeah. A whole bunch of uh, dealers, a whole bunch of farmers. And board. Yeah, right now, it looks like we'll have about 400 sellers there. Man, that's going to be great. That's a good time, too. Yeah. There'll be enough sellers there to touch a nice portion of the market. <laughs> For sure. For sure, buddy. So, well, tell Rob. Thanks and uh, for everything he does and miss seeing him on here. But you said he's out entertaining. He's got a bunch of kids down at the lake and he's got seven teenagers down at Table Rock right now. <laughs> One of them took a ski in the head last night and got about seven stitches. So never ends, never ends, buddy. So. You take seven teenagers to Table Rock. That's high energy. I agree. I agree. <laughs> I agree there. So all right. All right, guys. You guys need anything, Mitch? Give us a shot. We sure appreciate it. Thanks for everything. All right. Thanks. All right, buddy. Thank you. All right. See you guys.